0: Well, good Resurrection Sunday, Fellowship family. Welcome to my home as we celebrate Easter together. You know, there's opportunities within all these obstacles that the coronavirus has thrown at us. And I like to think of what are some things we've never been able to do that we can do because of the situation, the crisis that we're in. Now, call me the eternal optimist, but there's two things I think we can do. I think we can celebrate together, and secondly, we can relate. We can relate to that first Easter morning. Let me explain to you what I mean. I think we can celebrate together because we're doing that. It's 10 a.m. Easter morning. I mean, I don't know of a time within the past 18 years, because 18 years ago was the last time we all gathered together at the same time on Easter morning. I remember that. Fellowship was around 200, 250 people at that time. But now, we can gather together, and we can celebrate at 10 a.m., and, and both at Highcrest as well as at Yurish, we can do this together all across our region. But we're also, as you realize, we're celebrating apart. You're in your homes, and this seems awkward, doesn't it? But we can relate, because the first people who heard about the Easter message, the first people who heard about the resurrection were the first followers of Jesus the first morning it happened. They were in crisis. They were fearful. They were afraid of being exposed. They were trying to stay safe. they were anxious. They were mourning the loss, the loss of someone who was their leader named Jesus. And this tight-knit group of people was scattered all around the city when they heard this news. Now I want to just talk to you about the emotions, how they were feeling, and maybe it's how you were feeling. They were in crisis. There were so many things that were uncertain, not not just about the present, but about the future. They were anxious. They were experiencing loss. And every one of them was concerned. What do I do now? What's going to happen? What about you? Has the coronavirus caused you to have those same emotions? I know that I love Easter. Easter is one of my favorite times of the year, and I love gathering together, and I love all the services. And I'm exhausted. I'm tired after Easter, but I love it. I love to see people's faces. I love to share a great message of Jesus being alive and living and dying for us and calling everyone to believe in him. I love that, I'd love to be together. So this one, I just thought, I don't think I can relate to this. I don't know that it's gonna be that, that as 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 uh, powerful as the past easters have been and then i just opened up the bible and i realized i'm so much this is so much like the first first century church the first people who heard the news and it wasn't just on easter morning it was throughout the day that they still had concerns even after they heard the news they still had concerns so on that easter evening jesus appeared to them and he appeared to them when they were all gathering and he came to them, John, the book of John says this, that he said, peace be with you. And he showed him his hands where the nails pierced. And he showed him his side where the sword was thrust into. And then he called him. They called them to, to, to be sent out in his name and to share this message that not only he was alive, but salvation, life is in his name. So I believe that even in the midst of something that's awkward and something that's less than our preference for Easter, that being a part, we can relate to these first followers of Jesus and respond to these words of Jesus, words that gave them peace, words that gave them certainty, words that gave them assurance. And I can't think of a better time to share this message than Easter of 2020, when we're in the midst of a pandemic, when we're in our homes, there's fear, there's concern, there's anxiety. Some of our friends have COVID-19, but all of us are dealing with the realities of a society that is shut down and shut us out of the life that we once knew. And, And we can relate and celebrate what they did. And so as we look at this, our big idea for Easter is this whole concept of being paid in full. And this is the reality that the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it means that we can receive, we can receive this peace, this certainty, this assurance, because Jesus has paid it in full. And the Apostle Paul shared this reality. And he used two words. And I'm going to read these words. I want to just let you know ahead of time to look for these words as we read it. The first one is justified. And the second word, it's an accounting term, and it's called reconciled. They're both in this passage. Let's take a look at it. It's in Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. And if you don't have your Bibles, I'll just throw it up on the screen here. We'll read it together. It says this, verse 6, While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified, there's that word, justified by his blood, This passage begins with this this phrase. It's an interesting phrase. It says, for when we were still weak. I don't like that word weak. I don't like to be called weak, but Paul even goes deeper. Let's take a look at this. He gives us three words to describe we who are weak. He says this, that we're ungodly, we're sinners, and we're enemies of God. Okay. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter, you ungodly sinners, enemies of God. None of us, none of us want to be called that. But that's who we were. That's who we are, were and are be, before we come to put our faith and trust in Christ. And, but even with these realities, us at our worst, us at our weakest, Jesus died for us. And he died for us because God loves us. And he sent his son to live and die and rise from the dead for us. Jesus died for the ungodly. Jesus died for us. And when he did that, he paid in full. He paid in full the debt we had with God. What did he or, or, or uh, what did he pay in full? I want to give you uh, an illustration. Maybe it will help you understand a little bit more. Okay. So think of your life as two books. And this first book, and it's a big, heavy book. That's why I look for a big, heavy book to show you this. It's a big heavy book. This first book is a legal book. And this represents the law of God. And that law of God is all the things that you should have done that you didn't, or the things you did that you shouldn't have done. Okay, that's what sin is. It's going uh, contrary to the way God has called us to live. It's disobeying him, rebelling against him. It's an attitude as well as an action. It basically says, I don't want God in my life. And if this if this is every, this is a record or a book of everything you've done that you shouldn't have or should have done that you didn't, it would be a big book. My my book would be larger than this, just to be honest with you. But think of that. And then secondly, that word um, reconciled—that's an accounting word. So think of this as a ledger or a book that contains every penalty for every sin you've ever committed. These two books—that's over. Overwhelming. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming to think about. This is all who I'm not supposed to be and all the penalty. That's a result of what I've done or what I should have done. It's overwhelming. And that's the work of Christ. Christ came into an overwhelming situation that we, we couldn't pay. And, and he paid it in full. Let's talk about that legal book. That legal book is, is that, word, that word justification comes in. Because when Jesus lived, and he died, and he rose again from the dead, he took our place. He took uh, our place so that God now declares us right with him, and then reconciled. When Jesus died and rose, he reconciled us back to God. All the sin and rebellion that stood against us, he took it away. He cleared it away, and he set us free. A lot of times, uh, a balance sheet is out of balance or your checking account is not reconciled and and what Jesus has done is he's paid the price and he set us free. So none of this is logical by the way. I just want to be open with you. None of this is logical. None of us deserve it, which is exactly what Paul goes into. He says very rarely will someone die for someone who's good or someone you're on good terms with. But but even on the farthest point and the farthest reasonable measure that even when we were in sin, even when we were against God, even when we opposed him, even those who nailed him to a cross, God chose to love and Jesus died for sinners. I mean, that's the extent of God's love. It's not, it's not logical, but it's grace and God's undeserved love. Why did God do this? He loves us. He loves us. And his infinite, eternal, enduring love for us is shown to us in Jesus. And if he loved us when we were at our worst, when we sinned against him, then he, it it is certain then, and we need to be assured that he loves us now, that we're his friends. And if he reconciled us, if he paid our debt and made us right before God, when we were enemies and bankrupt beyond able to to pay our price, then we can be assured and we can be certain that we're in good standing now with a perfect credit score of Jesus and at peace because of Christ. Because God loves us and Christ lived and died and rose rose for us, no book, no book can stand against us. Even a book that I make up that might get into the way of me and God, no book can stand against us. Our lives are paid in full by Christ. We're free. We're forgiven. You know, I've started realizing more my weakness through this pandemic, and I've felt more vulnerable. Haven't haven't you? Because we've had a mirage of a booming economy, a a record-breaking stock market, a packed schedule, countless outlets of events and activities. But all of those things have been confronted with a reckoning, right? It's been uncomfortable, it's been uneasy. But we've realized through it, we're not as strong as we thought we were. Tomorrow's not as certain as we thought it was. And, And we don't know, we really just don't know as much as we thought we did. Even the most intelligent among us are dumbfounded. Even the cure to this virus is, at best cases, 12 to 18 months away. And so it's humbled us. But instead of being uncomfortable, the gospel invites us to, to be okay with our weakness because we have a God who is powerful. We have a God who is strong. And we come to him not in our, not in our pride, which blinds us of our need and our weakness, but we come to him in humility. And we turn and we trust in him. And we can be assured, we can be assured that God loves us and we can be certain that Christ can save us. Before I move on, I just want to ask a quick question. Do you know that God loves you in Christ? And do you realize that it's only Jesus who can save you? See, that's so important. I want to point you to a verse that shows you God loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I think about that verse. It's probably one of the most well-known verses in, in all of creation, but it's a simple verse that reminds us God loved us, so God gave us Christ. He knew we couldn't do it on our own. He knew we were weak. We were incapable. He even knew we didn't want him, but he chose to love us anyway, and he sent Jesus so that whoever, and that is whoever, that means you and me, whoever puts their faith in him, who believes in him, and what Jesus did for them, they shouldn't perish, but they should have eternal life. Here, verse eight of Romans five, it says, "God shows us His love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." Our first response to this paidful work of Jesus, paidful work of Jesus, is, is to receive what Christ has done for us. Receive it. Right now, before we move on, I just want to invite you into a moment where you take a step of faith or maybe you thought it was you and being good enough or you trying harder or you just going to church or not going to church coming watching it online or or being a good person. And really that's not who we are. That cannot save us. We've got to come to the realize that realization that we must have Jesus save us. So do that right now. Accept the work of Jesus into your life. I want to invite you just to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for living, dying, rising again for me. I put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for setting me free. I believe in you. Please save me and set me free. And if that is your heart, welcome to the family. Welcome to life as a person of faith, who's realizing that even in your worst moment, in your weakest moment, God is is his strongest. He's your strength. He's your power. So live with that. And here's what I want you to do. I I want you, if you can, because I have a book to give you. I'd like to send you a book that will help you in your first steps with Jesus. And, And so if you just text me right now, just text FBC1 to this number, 41411. That's FBC1 to 41411. And if you just fill out that form there, we'll send that book to you free of charge as you begin your first steps with Christ. Okay, so I talked to you about that first step being to receive the work of Christ. The second step in to respond to this painful work of Christ is to rejoice. Look at how that word is brought out in verse 11. Let's read that. It says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. There's that accounting word of your books being paid for they're, they're, they're made right with God you're good. so rejoice. live in the reality that you're good with God you're no longer an enemy you're you're no longer this person who wants nothing to do with him but to live into the reality that everything's been paid in full and I've seen you do that fellowship family I just I'm so encouraged that in the midst of a crisis, you are rejoicing in in your relationship with Christ, and you're reflecting His love uh, in with others around you, whether it's giving your time and energy or money to help people around you, and and even uh, opening up our church to help people around us and to serve. You know, one of the things that we're we're doing with other churches in our communities, we've opened up our building uh, at Fellowship to put and assemble. Uh, about 2,800 meals a day for 501 students and their families who are under-resourced. And uh, we're still going to be practicing good social distancing and doing this. And only 10 people at a time can do this. But over the next several weeks, uh, we're not able to meet at church, but we're able to still use our church building to be a blessing to our community. I just love that. I just, it just reflects a rejoicing in a life that's paid in full. But the other one is a really cool thing that we've planned for months to reveal on Easter morning, 2020. And it was long before we knew we wouldn't be meeting together in the midst of a crisis. But we had a heart to help people in our area to pay off medical debt. People who represent where we were with God. They owed a huge debt. They couldn't pay it, but God paid it for them. And it, it shows a beautiful picture of the gospel, of which has you know, come into each of our lives and paid it in full. So what I want to do is I want to share how we did this. And I want to bring Frank Eshman on a Zoom call with me, and he'll share a little bit more how this happened. So I'm going to get on this phone, and I, I want you to just hear this story and how, how this came about. Well, Frank, are you there? Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Happy Easter to you. And happy Easter to you and all of our church family. Man, I can't wait for you to share this big reveal on this Paid in Full concept and how we're able to live this out, not just believe this, but live this out, not just in our region, but for the whole state of Kansas. So, Frank, Frank, you, you represented our church in just negotiating. And how did you do that? How did How did that happen?
1: Well... Well, we worked with a company called RIP Medical Debt, rest in peace medical debt, and uh, they were able to purchase debt out in the, uh, the marketplace to help the lowest um, income families in, across the state, those who are, um, are plagued with medical debt, and, uh, and buy up a huge block of debt uh, for pennies on the dollar that we can, uh, that we can actually forgive.
0: Man, that is awesome news. That is awesome news. Now, one of the things you told me earlier that I want to share with everyone is every county in Kansas had people who owed money that we were able to help. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right, Joe. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're in the process of acquiring all that debt now. Uh, okay. our idea is, And we're targeting those low-income families. And it's going to touch uh, every county, we estimate, across Kansas and a little more. And with $40,000 we're able to retire $4.7 million in medical debt.
0: Oh, wait a minute. I don't know that I heard you right. You said we took $40,000 and with that company, we negotiated for $4.7 million. Is that right?
1: That's absolutely correct. It's, it is, uh, it, you heard it right, Joe. $4. Yeah. $4.7 million is the estimate that we'll be able to wrap up in negotiation.
0: That is a miracle. That's a miracle. And the other thing that I just loved about this is no one person at fellowship did this. Every one of us, because it came out of money that was given to the Lord uh, to to what God was doing in fellowship. So all of us, due to your regular giving at fellowship, allowed the paid in full event to happen all across the state of Kansas.
1: That's awesome. That's right, Joe. This took place over, over a period of time with the generous giving of our church family.
0: Yeah, man, Frank, what have you learned in this, by, by being involved in this? What did you personally learn in this? Well, uh, Joe, I, I've learned that
1: there are people that are really, really struggling, that, uh, that we are gonna be able to help people that yeah. can't even rent an apartment because of this medical debt. And uh, I, I'm learning about the forgiveness of Christ, even in my own life, uh, a yeah. free gift and how that's impactful.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I know that some of you listening to this have medical debt, and many of you are struggling with medical debt. And you might be thinking, if this doesn't happen to you, you don't get your medical debt paid. What about me? Why doesn't my church take care of me? And Frank, what, what have you done uh, to help people in our church family who are struggling with medical debt?
1: Yeah, Joe, I only wish that we could uh, wipe out all of the medical debt that people in our church family are dealing with. But of course, you know, that's not possible. And um, what we want to be able to do is come alongside of people who are struggling, and so we are assembling a team of people who uh, have expertise in this area that can help people negotiate and uh, work with healthcare providers to um, to set up plans to to work out arrangements. If if our church family is struggling, we want to help.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, man. I. I am so thankful you're a life care pastor and that you're uh, leading well in that area. And if you have a need in that area, we want to come alongside of you and help you and help you pay that in full. Uh, And so just connect with Frank Eshman. You can do that uh, through our website. Connect with him and he'll connect you to that group who's doing that. Isn't that awesome news? I mean... Uh, certainly, I've known about it before we revealed it with you, but long before any of us knew what was going to be happening on Easter of 2020, and none of us could have anticipated this, before the market crashed, before some of us lost our jobs, God knew what he was doing. And in his foreknowledge and kindness, he set in, op- he set in motion an opportunity for our church to be a blessing. And you know what? That's just something for all of us to rejoice in. Even though there's so many uncertain things about what the future is today, today we had an opportunity to rejoice and reflect the love of Jesus and to reflect this whole concept, this big idea of Easter 2020, of our lives living as a result of it being paid in full by Jesus. I want to thank you for joining us this Easter, and I, I want to encourage you to live out this message. Let me pray for you as we do that. Father, thank you for each person that you've gathered on this online experience at 10 o'clock on Easter morning of 2020. And we thank you that this does not take you by surprise. You knew this was going to happen. And so therefore, as we celebrate together and yet we're apart, thank you for showing us that same experience that the first followers of you had, where you came to them and we feel that right now. We know that there is certainty with you, we know that we're assured of your love because of your resurrection, and as a result we have peace with you, and we can give that peace to everyone around us. Thank you, Jesus. You have risen, you are alive, and you are working in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.